With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners. Welcome to This Anthropological Life. This is Adam Gamwell. And this is Ryan Collins. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are super excited to be here on our first episode of 2017, a brand new year. Uh of lots of interesting changes around the world as, as we know so uh, we're excited to be here with you you know right at the start of January to hopefully be with you every week to bring you know relevant topics new ideas uh, crazy stories exactly and since 2017 is looking pretty crazy from the get-go I mean the forecast is interesting to say <laughs> the least yeah so we want to be able to showcase new and diverse stories as they're happening. And uh, one way that we can do this is through a new tab on our webpage. Adam, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, so this this tab is called What's Your Story? You know, simply titled. And the idea is for we want to bring you as part of the conversation. You know, we've retooled the TAL episodes. Uh, these general episodes we call TAL Conversations. And the idea is, of course, to have more dialogue, more conversation with with the public. Um, as this is our endeavor to do sort of a you know public anthropology. So uh, we want to hear from you. We want to know mm-hmm. from, you know what stories are on your mind, uh, what things frustrate you, what gives you hope, what, what sort of wakes you up in the morning. Uh, and so we're really happy. We want to hear about anything. If you want to talk to us about monster trucks or your favorite smoothie in a blender, that's awesome. Or if you want to dive into some other issues, we're going to talk about continuing struggles in Ferguson, Missouri, or at Standing Rock, we're happy to do it. Exactly. And other issues, it may not be getting the same type of press as well, because this is a crazy time, as we're all aware of right now, with a lot of different ideas swirling around and showcasing how diverse our predicament is, especially in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. So please feel free to share your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're waiting for it. and We're happy to hear from you. And this is, you know, 2017 is, is about you. You know, we're here for you uh, and to build this, this, you know, this public anthropology and this thinking together. Exactly. And in line with keeping up the conversation with you listeners, uh, please, if you can, if you would like to give us an endorsement, uh, go to iTunes, give us a rating. The more stars you give us, well, you don't have to give us many stars if you don't like us, but if you do (laughs) like us, please give us five stars and just spread the word because the more times that uh, you give us ratings, the easier it is for everyone else to find us and to join the conversation as well. And the same goes for Facebook and Instagram, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as Twitter. Uh, Yeah. And also in line with carrying on the conversation, we need to talk about our collaborators. Yeah. Uh, this Anthropological Life is an official collaborator with the American Anthropological Association, and we're very happy to keep that conversation going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know we began this we just really towards the end of last year. So this is we're still in our first our first, you know, six months with them. But it's been awesome so far. You know, we're sharing resources together and they're helping us sort of spread the good word of public anthropology. And we're helping spread the good word of the work that the American Anthropological Association is doing. Um, in terms of sort of helping critical thinking be part of everybody's 
daily dialogues. Exactly. Um, so even the piece with that, just to be aware of coming up, we're excited that February 16th is actually World Anthropology Day. Um, so we're gonna we're getting ready to celebrate that. We're very excited about it. Um, you know, we we last year just put out kind of our favorite episodes, but I think we'll be doing something a little more special this year. Absolutely. Um, and want to let people know about that. And then we do have a second collaborator that that we are brand new with that we're super excited in is the Society for Applied Anthropology. Right. And so much of our work, you know, you can say it would fall in the applied camp that we're really trying to uh, bring anthropological thinking out of our brains and out of books into everyday conversations and everyday forms of action and how we can be in the world. Uh, and so with that, we are super excited to be working with them to sort of promote this specifically applied perspective. And how do we put our Absolutely. work into action? Yeah. And we also have a couple other uh, collaborations and uh, new projects on the horizon, but we're going to keep those in the download for right now. Hmm. Uh, but with that, with that introduction, Let's dive into the world of emojis. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to kick off this, this year's <laughs> series of episodes with, with one of our favorite little characters on our phone. That's the emoji, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to us, it's you know, kind of came out of nowhere as this little way of talking with pictures, but it's really taken the world by storm. And, and there's a really deep and interesting story about how emojis are, are developing around the world. Exactly. And we can think about what it means for us, what it means for language, and how to maybe think critically about them the next time you're texting. Yeah, there you go. So cool. And with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Emojis and pictorial writing. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. You know, so I, I thought it'd be fun today to talk about emojis because, you know, they're on our phones and I use them all the time. I remember when I actually first got them on my, my keyboard, a friend of mine was texting me like three years ago or something. And uh, she kept, you know, using like a horse or a, or like a cowboy. And I was like, how do you get these little pictures on, on your phone? I didn't realize, I thought they were like, you know, you can get a GIF, you can get like a moving picture on your phone, but I didn't realize it was actually like a keyboard. Exactly. I remember my friend sending me a message with a little race car in it because they were talking about how fast I would normally uh, go about typing back to them and sort of responses. And mm. I was like, what, what is this <laughs> symbol on my right. phone? What does that mean? You know, at the time I just thought you're texting me a picture of a race car. Yeah, did you copy and paste it? Yeah, what is right. this, you know? Uh, but now, today, we use them so casually that emojis, in some sense, are actually becoming part and parcel to language. Mm -hmm. We all understand what's actually being conveyed, at least within our own linguistic systems now. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when with the rise of texting, I mean, really, like with AOL Instant Messenger, it was like kind of the big rise of, of sending messages back and forth, and that was... You know, in like the mid-1990s, you know, to mid to late-1990s until... until AOL disappeared, but uh, for any of you who actually remember what AOL is, and if you don't, yeah. that's okay. It's okay. That just means we're older than you. But it was called America Online. It was one of the first, like, uh, you know, uh, online web browsers and, and things. Actually, I remember when we first got AOL that you had to install it with a CD because you couldn't download. Now you can download oh, Firefox, yeah. right? You know, because you already have access to the internet by built-in browser. But anyway, so we're dating ourselves a little bit. But so even the rise of that, like, you know, you would be, you would be typing. And I remember, you know, a friend in high school would always type cool, K-E-W-L. And I always think that's, that's weird. Why do you spell it like that? You know, I always noted that was a strange way of spelling, spelling cool. Mm -hmm. but, you know, but we see those, those sort of filters in now that we text a lot more than we probably message. Um, or traditionally sitting on a computer messaging, you know. But like Google Hangouts, you can chat with people. And, and right. even Apple's message program now, like, it functions like a chat room. You know, like the chat rooms used to. But... With them, you know, you do see, you've, we've seen this rise of, of different ways of using English, you know, and where someone will type the letter U for Y-O-U-U, -U, you know, or are you home, just the letter R mm -hmm. and the letter U, which I always thought was kind of funny, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have adopted that, and that's, you know, just, again, personal preference of how you want to spell a word out or not, you know? Uh, you know, what's fun about this, though, is we can really just get into the, the cool aspects of emojis. We can use them in colloquial settings, we can use them even in some formal settings, if it's... Uh, 
you know, if it's something that's structured in that way that it can be acceptable. Mm-hmm. But one of the concerns that came out about emojis when people started to use them in a very mainstream context was, is this going to be the end of language as we know it? Right. Are we all going to be uh, able to spell correctly now that we have autocorrect giving us you know, our prompts and we're using symbols instead of actual language? Is this going to cause us problems? Yeah, I mean, I remember even seeing like, when, when we were younger too, even when we started taking, I started taking typing classes, mm-hmm. you know, which for me was in the seventh grade. And I remember, you know, people were saying then like, oh, if you're typing on a computer, is that going to ruin your handwriting? Yeah, it actually kind of did. But then like, this is a much, you know, now we're much later and we have emojis as a really common way of, of conveying ideas, usually, you know, in texting and stuff. And yeah, it is this question of like, you know, are we seeing this, the death of written, of written language? You know, so Seema Moody wrote a piece for CNBC actually in, in 2015. Um, in June, so um, a little under two years ago, but it still resonates. And like, there's we see these questions. We just did searches across online on, on the web and stuff. And we just we did see different kind of stories like this popping up, saying, oh, "Are we seeing the death of language?" And like, certain linguists are quite upset that we're you know using pictoriographic or iconographic language again. We'll talk about what those are. But, mm-hmm. um, and so what Seema Moody kind of points out is that you know these were first used as an addition to written text, right? You're seeing larger and larger groups of people now just using emojis to talk. Uh, and I've seen it's true if you watch, I mean, emojis come from Japan and it's, you know, the mix of the two kanji, which is the Japanese written script language that just mm-hmm. means picture character. So it literally is, you know, it's a picture of, of a character, you know. Uh, and it's interesting to think about, you know, so is this, do these somehow pose a threat to writing? I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, again, we're, you know, we're not, we're not linguists technically, but uh, it does raise an interesting question of, you know, what kinds of things are worth defending when it comes to language? What kinds of barriers are we supposed to be, you know, do people want to put up and say, we need to defend this form of thinking or speech or a certain accent? Mm-hmm. Um, and emojis are interesting because they're they're not letters, right? They're pictures. Right. And again, let's take that charge. I'm going to back it up here that, no, emojis are not going to be the end of language. Mm. And I think the one way that we can kind of showcase that is to break down what language and writing is. If we can mm. talk about script. So if we look at our current alphabet in English today, right, we have 26 characters and we just put these symbols together. Now, if we think about a larger, uh, a larger sort of collection of scripts and symbols that could be part of an extended alphabet, if you will, that's going to be used more by uh, linguists, we could think about the symbols like the dollar sign. We could think mm. about exclamation points, um, question marks is all being part of that or ampersands, uh, the at symbol with um that we all use with email yeah. constantly these are all parts of an extended means of communication that we mm-hmm. just simply don't use in the same way anymore yeah that's a great point though yeah i, mean, I actually didn't even think about it. you're right the ampersand like the little mm-hmm. at symbol and, and the hashtag too right exactly these are very common parts of online vocabulary parlance right that you don't hear as much about saying oh is, is the at symbol going to destroy you know us typing the word at you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't so far uh and that too in this sense is this kind of pictorial graphic writing right so exactly. i want to differentiate these two because they're interesting you know we're, we're looking through this but so there's there's different kinds of writing that of course exist right so when we say emojis you know that we, we were actually talking about doing the episode like it harkens to the idea of like egyptian or maya hieroglyphics right it's sort mm-hmm. of pictorial writing exactly and more specifically it's actually like aztec writing mm. because they used pictures lo- logographic types of script well actually i should say more pictorial script because mm. they would use a mountain in reference to a location of a mountain mm. but you couldn't actually read the name of the place into a specific mountain unless you knew that it was directly representing that one particular space interesting yeah so yeah i mean what you're saying and it's a good thing to, to think through this like yeah there is this sort of 
pictographic writing, right? And this mm -hmm. is where like a direct representation of an object is. is that's what an image is. Mm -hmm. So a smiley face and emoji is pictographic in that regard, right? It's a smiley face, which means it's representing a smiling person. Exactly. However, it is also ideographic. And this is where the, the, the challenge comes in. Ideographic, it's got the word idea in it, right? So it's graphic meaning writing or, or spelling out an idio. So it's spelling out of an idea. Mm. So ideographic writing represents abstract concepts like happiness. So in this case, an emoji can be both, right? And right. a smiling emoji can be both a pictographic because it represents even though it's yellow. Or now they're, they're sort of making them a little more realistic by having human skin tones. Not it's, just like Lego characters anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. We're moving weirdly much more into, into real life, you know, which is with the crazy advances of CGI and stuff. And like they did in Star Wars Rogue One and, and they've done in other films, too, of bringing CG characters in. You know, it's weird that we're also seeing emojis on this other weird spectrum of visuality also moving towards slightly more realistic looking things. You know, we're all heading towards the uncanny valley of we're not sure if it's real or fake anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but all that to say, yeah, so we, we do see different kinds of writing. There's ideographic and pictographic. So in this case, emojis can be both, right? And you're saying also mm -hmm. with like Aztec and, and Nahuatl was the, the name of the language, right? Exactly. Like they had hieroglyphics that represented a certain thing. So this is a pictograph of this mountain, mm -hmm. right? Which is, again, to have a brief aside to differentiate from something, another form of a very famous hieroglyphic system, and that would be um, Maya, for example. And in the Mayan system, you had not only symbols, but you would have uh, different smaller parts of language that would be making specific types of sounds. So you have uh, logographs and syllables that could mm. be put together to create language. You would also have sometimes even full figures that would represent an entire glyph, and that would potentially even be a name of a particular person or a deity. Mm -hmm. So you could have both. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting. And one of the things, too, about Maya... Uh, that was that's interesting is like again, one of the differences between like pictographic and ideographic writing and logographic is what you're talking mm -hmm. about right is that logographic is also pictorial writing but there's a pronunciation that goes with it right exactly and so there's certain ways you'll say the image or the the picture that the uh, image that you see right so for example let's do this uh through audio uh, <laughs> linda shaley was really famous for making one particular way of doing this different way of combining glyphs famous and that was by using the example of a jaguar but in ancient mayan tongue we would say balam right balam. so there would be a picture of a jaguar's face representing balam and you would know that sounds balam hmm. jaguar right but you could construct that in different ways by using three different pieces or by having the jaguar face as the main uh main prefix but then having the pieces come afterwards so hmm. it would use it to start so you would have the ba la and ma glyphs, mm. but you would always drop the end vowel. So it would read ba lam. Ba lam. So you could do it in multiple different ways to create the same effect. And for a time period, at least for about 300 years or so, this probably was pretty accessible to the general public. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that's it seems pretty ingenious, right? Because it is this mix of there's an image that is the jaguar, then you can actually take the other indi individually pronounceable you know, pictograms and put them together to make ba lam. That, I mean, that, that's really ingenious because it shows... In this case, more than one way of producing the same idea, right? Exactly. That's you know, and it's it's interesting because one of the other debates that has come out of emojis too, and as you're saying, like one of them is is a little over over overly dramatic idea that oh we're gonna destroy languages that oh our emojis they're pictorial writing that means they must be some sort of evolution of Egyptian hieroglyphics or Maya hieroglyphics, um, and you know you know we want to sort of take that apart too just to think about because yeah we're not taking an evolutionary bent on these kinds of forms of writing you know, exactly so we didn't like move from maya into emoji mm -hmm. um but also rec represent you know recognizing that there is something connecting them though right like exactly. there's something that we recognize about why we use pictorial writing 
and we can have creative fluidity with uh, pictorial mm-hmm. writing. So again, if we think about the way in ancient Mayan script, it would have been uh, written with different types of symbols to put it together to create a jaguar, or maybe just one symbol. We can write in English, and we could say, be happy. But mm-hmm. if I texted Adam right now a picture of a bee and a smiley face, he would understand them telling him to be happy. <laughs> that's true, I would. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, the, there is that sort of creative freedom in it. And that's it's almost on one level sort of saying, are we destroying written language? And it's in, no, because emojis are still writing. Yes, that's mm-hmm. a picture versus you're writing alphabet out. But that's one of the differences here we're talking about. Is it destroying the use of an alphabet? You know, and that maybe that's, you know, that claim hasn't really been raised too much. But that's sort of, again, like English is an alphabetic language in this regard. Yes. We have 26 Syllables and what, what you know what makes an alphabetic language different from a pictographic or ideographic one is that individual letters represent consonants and vowels. Right? Exactly. So you can you can make any word up that you can say in this language using using these alphabets. And there's a ton of other languages that use this this kind of thinking. You know, um, you know when you see it in any Romance language, Latin and Spanish and, and etc. Um, so there is something interesting in terms of how we use it. So I mean, would would it, would, would emojis like affect the way that we use alphabets? I mean, maybe, but again, is that a bad thing? Who's to say, really, right? I mean, I don't know if we can. I mean, I'm not prepared to put a value judgment on it. You know, um, I love using emojis. No. You know, it's a fun way of sort of it. It on one level literally puts some color into writing. You know? It does, but you know, something that might be a better parallel to think about uh, emojis and language with is not that you know this is going to be the end or deviation or some sort of uh, decadent form of writing, mm-hmm. but we could think of it maybe in terms of formal and informal speech. And English has lost a lot of its formal and mm. informal aspects. But yeah. Spanish has not. And Italian yeah. hasn't lost much of them as well. I mean, they're kind of diluted a little bit today. Not to what they were, say, 500, 600 years ago. But we know that that's still a component of those languages. And in informal writing, informal texting, we use emojis all the time, constantly. Mm-hmm. But you may not see, say, an academic paper carrying, right. uh, opening up with a number of emojis, leading you on a, a string of different types of smiley faces, and maybe a canoe and a beer <laughs> and a glass of wine, yeah. or or something like that, a lightning bolt following. You know, that's yeah probably not going to happen anytime soon. Likely not, but you know, it's still maybe one day actually. I'd love to say. I mean, there is there is a translation. We'll put the we'll put the uh, the link on the show notes of Moby Dick entirely in emojis. Um, I've read I've read fun. part of it. It was interesting. I, I don't know if I can go through the entire book. <laughs> but <laughs> interesting idea, you know. But one thing is, I think to kind of help fill this picture in a little more too is is to ask us where emojis came from, right? Yes. As we said, like obviously, so I said it before. It comes from you know the Japanese kanji, uh, the two characters of picture character. Uh, but what's interesting to think about is why were these invented? And so really what it is, in, in the late 90s, actually, emojis sort of became codified. So it's not even, they're not, they're not super old in terms of how long they've been around for. But so like in 1998, 1999, mm-hmm. during the dot-com boom in Japan, uh, what they found is that as people were doing more texting and, and phones had to carry a certain amount of data, right? And I mean, right. Na- nowadays, this is, this, is, this is an important piece of like sort of cellular data to think about or cellular history because we now work with gigabit data plans in the U.S. Yes. Right? And people think, it, don't even, it doesn't even occur to you that, like a, a letter when you type a to send it is is a few bits of information right when you're when you're 20 years ago uh, that bandwidth was much smaller of how much information could be processed and so what was happening in so Japan uses logographic kanji and the of other different forms of language too and so what these are these these are symbols as you've probably seen Japanese before right they're not specific exactly. letters for sounds but they are ideas that you can put together mm-hmm. uh, 
And so with that, people would end up taking pictures if they go to the phones or trying to draw out things to send to each other in their, in right. their text messaging program. And so the difference, what happened was that telecom companies in Japan were trying to deal with this like huge uptick of data that was trying to be shipped through. Because normally when you type, you know, either a kanji symbol or we type, you know, hello, my name is Adam in text, it's a certain amount of data. That's easy because one character is one set of bit data. Mm-hmm. What happened was that they were doing pictures and that was sending way more data and the bandwidth couldn't handle it. And so this company that was coming out, they're called Docomo. They're this new iMode internet platform. They're inventing this new platform. They tasked this one guy. His name is uh, Shigetaka Kurita. He was part of the team working in this mobile company. They tasked him with inventing pictorial, this basically essentially inventing emojis, pictorial language. So they huh. could then ship these phones with a type of vocabulary, a type of I mean, uh, keyboard or font, if you will, that would be represented in pictures because that's what people were doing anyway. So really it's interesting. This is, in this case, like telecom was following sort of normal Japanese, you know, data practices or how people, young people were using phones. It was cool, like a little little uptick for anthropology is that basically they gave them a month. They said, all right, man, you have a month to make a, you know, character system that people can use. Uh, so he spent 10 days of those just hanging out in the cities hmm. seeing how people used signs. And so they ended up actually using, like, the, the you know, using, like, the Zap Dings font that's, like, you know, one of the last things on Windows that's just oh, a bunch of yeah. random symbols. That's where emojis actually came from. They started really? drawing from those, and then he then he would end up drawing little color versions of some of those, seeing that they already existed. Because that's people using, were using Zap Ding font to send things, and that was just, like, Ooh. blowing up their data plan because it's just sending a whole, whole picture of a wheel versus this. <laughs> so what was the ingenious thing is what he did was he took the same amount of data that it takes to type in A or B in English mm-hmm. and slapped an emoji on that. And that's what then wow. made it, it. It also counts as the same amount as a single letter character. So literally, this is an interesting idea. You can literally send a whole idea of a smiley face or a beer can or you know somebody running away, but it's this, the character weight data version is the same as the typing in A or B, which is interesting. Um, this has to do with a bunch of stuff called Unicode that we can we can talk about if you want to also, but um, and how it became standardized. But this is really interesting. So it just kind of came out twenty years ago as this like yeah. we need to get rid of the data problem, the bandwidth problem. So they just. This dude invented these pictures. You know, it's, it's really kind of cool, you know, <laughs> singular <laughs> origin story. We're learning together on TAL today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So you may have seen a few shirts online circulating recently showcasing that you can have almost universal ways of communicating through emojis where people are wearing mm. travel shirts that have a number of different symbols written across the chest. And you can point to different things if you're in a place where you don't speak the language in order to get by. I've actually seen videos of people doing this and we'll post up some links afterwards. Uh, and it seems to be pretty effective. So we know that emojis have now become something so accessible on a mm-hmm. global scale that I can talk with my friends uh, who are Spanish speakers, and of course I'm <laughs> able to speak Spanish myself, but we can communicate through emojis with yeah, understanding yeah. each other just fine. Um, but it's a curious thing to note that emojis weren't always as universally understood or acceptable or as mm-hmm. used as they are today. Yeah. So. Um, when Steve Jobs was first in Japan to sell the iPhone, uh, most companies actually rejected him yeah. because the iPhone didn't have emojis. Yeah, which is so interesting, isn't it? That is, that's crazy to right. me. Right. Like, because of how commonplace it is today that it mm-hmm. comes standard. Right. In fact, with the newest version of the iPhone and the newest iOS, we've had a number of new emojis come in and a number of new emoji options, which makes it even more commonplace. Yeah, I mean that's that. I think it's one of the most, that's one of the most interesting pieces of emoji history too, mm-hmm. right? Is that you know iPhone comes out uh, in two thousand six, I believe it was, right? Two thousand seven. Uh, two thousand six, seven. Yeah, two thousand seven. And 
So, yeah, so he was, Steve Jobs was probably in Japan 2005, 2006 saying, mm-hmm. hey, we have this new product from Apple, really want you to sell it. And, and like there's no, he visited five major telecom companies and four of them said, uh-huh. no, no, we don't want that. I mean, where are the emojis? And he's like, I, it didn't even occur to him, you know, it didn't right. occur to them to use that kind of thing. Uh, and so then when he decided it was okay, then the, the fifth, the fifth largest company then said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take you on board. Uh, and if you, but if you do emojis, uh-huh. right. <laughs> that even speaks to language and culture and how emojis mm-hmm. are working. So with that decision by one by one media mogul salesperson from the US, mm-hmm. you actually open up cultural boundaries. Yeah. To facilitate communication in new ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And in and, and like what's what's really cool about that too, to think about, you know, cultural transfer and how language moves across borders. Like so so all typed text including you know english as well as emojis right are standardized by this unicode system mm-hmm. and this is it sounds like some sort of ominous like background like you know mordor eye is always watching but um <laughs> there, but there's basically like xerox you know the the, the company that that we know as is making copy machines and printers and printer yes. paper uh you know they're actually one of the big telecom companies in the u.s that uh, advanced internet practices and like sort of transferring data amongst groups and stuff. And so anyway, so Unicode is one of the ideas that they came up with because they're trying to find out how to communicate with different people in the office mm-hmm. and different people across the world. Uh, but they couldn't when they're trying to send data because, you know, it's a bunch of ones and zeros, but it wouldn't know how to be translated if your computer's also in Spanish and you're just sending, you know, English text. And so these, these guys came up with this idea in, in 1980, which is, uh, you know, again, a fair while ago. Um, Really, I mean, they came up with, like, Unicode itself came out in 1987, but they were tasked with the idea of how do we make languages communicate with each other, communicate with computers with each other across different languages. And so they invented the Unicode system, mm-hmm. which instead of having an A and a B or an, 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 an N-Y, like an N with a tilde in Spanish, they gave them each a Unicode, a code behind the letter itself. So it'd be right. like U1 plus 25678, and that would be T. That would come out as T, huh. right? And so when they sent the information from my computer to your Spanish computer, from my English to your Spanish computer... All it would get was that UT plus one, two, five, seven, six. And then your computer would say, ah, oh, that means it's a T. And so they built this sort of language behind the language, right? Exactly. And so they had to, it's interesting to think about what you're saying with this idea of transferring ideas culturally as well as linguistically. Like they had to build this architecture of this other language that we never see. Right. right? The computer sees to let it talk. And this is also, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm imagining on certain levels how Google Translate works too. Absolutely. You know, because it's taking in this Unicode, you know. And so part of that, too, was interesting in the standardization version of that. Like, they, they they worked on this. I mean, they set this up, and the first consortium came out in 1991 for this Unicode saying, this is the step we're going to use to, like, do all letters. And it began with spoken languages, and they realized, oh, crap, we could use this for Egyptian hieroglyphics. We could use this for Maya script. We could use this for Esperanto. We can use this mm-hmm. for non-Western you know, Western symbols and, and right. realize there's the potential of using this for anything, any written form of human language. There's a ton. Exactly. I mean, you could think about today how far all of this has come that we can actually ask for help mm-hmm. without knowing the language, but using emojis to do yeah. so. Uh, we can actually place orders. We can showcase our wants or desires. This yeah. is one of the most intriguing universal aspects about this, and it kind of speaks to the way in which, say, even things like uh, hieroglyphics were used in the past, because although they're symbolic representations, you could have people mm. who are speaking potentially different languages coming yeah. together uh, by virtue of some sort of joint understanding over what the symbols were. And mm-hmm. you have to think that any type of unified group of people in the past, empires, nations, they've had to get by on that type of fundamental basis for communication. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, yeah. And that's, I think, one of the interesting advantages of, of pictorial writing, too, you mm-hmm. know. 
Um, and why, why emojis are a particularly interesting example, because they do have cultural context, right? I mean, you know, again, emoji, it said emoji usage came out in Japan. And so a lot of the symbols that we see now, for example, the one where it's like two hands that are put together, it's just the two palms pressed together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that traditionally is, is sort of a, a Japanese symbol of salutation, saying hello, you know, or goodbye. And exactly. it's interesting that like, we can read it here in, in the U.S. As, as, you know, I've heard people say it's like a high five or it's, it's also doing a prayer or bowing to somebody, you know, offering reverence. Um, they're not different or sort of wrong definitions of this this symbol, but... No, but it's a different way of interpreting it. Yeah. So you can have distinctions in this uh, sort of system as well, where if <laughs> Adam might just be telling me hello, <laughs> but I might think that he's uh, praying for something. I might think that he's hopeful. I might <laughs> think that he's scared or nervous. Yeah. We could all run into different interpretations. True. You know, and that's why it's interesting because emoji like that is, and on one level, is its own form of language because it is expanding, mm-hmm. right? You know, when they originally made 180 emojis, there is now uh, 1850 or a little more, like maybe on, there's between 1850 and 1900 emojis, which is wow. interesting. You know, and, and one of the reasons there's so many more now is because that Apple and other groups introduced skin color into the people, right? They're saying they're not just mm-hmm. Lego people now is, is one of the interesting pieces. But uh, so that like there's, you know, so if one, there'll be one character that has eight skin colors, you know, which is, which is awesome exactly. because it makes it a little more realistic, more representative. It shows also variation, again, in the human condition. And doesn't just assume that everyone is a Lego brick themselves. Yeah. That's, no <laughs> offense that's to Lego true. bricks, because I do love Legos myself. Yeah, they're pretty nice, you know. Um, but it's, it's cool to think, too, because emojis are going to expand every year, too, in terms of yes. how many they have. Like, so, so, emo- like, so emoji 4.0 just came out in November 2016. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember reading this at Apple. said, okay, new emojis coming out. And, it, and, you know, of course, BuzzFeed and all the all random websites are like, here's the new emojis. And there's a burrito and a cowboy hat now and some some cool extra stuff, you know. But that's fairly Western influenced if you think about yes. it, right? You know, there's no, I don't think, I don't know, unless it's a sushi burrito, which I doubt. Uh, you know, but so it's like you, you can see now, now we're seeing a really interesting mixing of, you know, this is obviously a really bad dichotomy with East versus West, right? Or different parts of the world mm-hmm. mixing together to make emoji into this sort of pool of common characters that we can use to communicate even if they may mean certain things you know that the hands together mean something in japan versus the u.s on, on you know, around that we're seeing the burrito and we're seeing right. the cowboy emoji person and and more gendered versions of careers there's there's now a mrs santa claus as well as miss mr claus exactly so one of the things that i think is good for us to put as a caveat to this because we're really for emojis here right now <laughs> uh, but we also have to kind of caution that the way in which symbols and pictures uh, and languages produced can inherently create uh, structural violence. Mm. And what I mean by that is just basically putting up roadblocks that are built into the system that further empower one group and further disenfranchise another. Mm -hmm. So if we think about emojis and what they represent, they're often essentializing ideas to a certain type of form. So the cowboy hat. Yeah. Could, and the cowboy hand the burrito, right? We could say yeah. Western, or we might even say American, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> very, very much so. Exactly. And before, say, the different skin tones have been uh, integrated with the new types of emojis that we're seeing today, mm-hmm. everything may have come across as being that of a white individual right? or a yellow Lego brick individual. Mm-hmm. But it clearly wasn't representing everybody, and it creates a different type of structural dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see those barriers start to break down. But anytime you have language... And anytime you have a symbolic system, essentializing becomes an issue. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a crucial point that, that that we may just leave on because it's good to think about, right? Like, what are mm-hmm. emojis doing for us now? Because on one level, they're here to stay. They're not going to go anywhere, and they're going to keep expanding, and people's uses of them will continue. Is it going to damage written word? Probably not. 
But I think you're really right to point out that we do need to be aware of issues of representation, issues of what we call structural violence, where it's like the frameworks that put these words or pictures out there, you know, have a certain thought. Agenda is too much, too strong of a word, but in terms of saying we're trying to give a a number of representations through the Unicode system by saying we all will use the code behind the emoji to say this is cowboy emoji, this is cactus, this is chili pepper, but also this is white person, black person, brown person you know, old person, young person. So understanding who's being represented and how, right? Mm-hmm. And, and interesting that in this case, you know, so, so one of, this is one of the big changes we're saying is that they sort of included, uh, you know, skin color, skin tone changes in the emojis now, because which is good because nobody is really yellow, brick, brick colored yellow. No people, I mean, right. if you have severe jaundice, maybe, but that's not a good, that's not a, a representative sample of humanity. Exactly. And we don't need to be <laughs> sending out sick emojis to make people feel bad all the time. Right. Sick smiley face. I mean, that's a little hopeful, but. Yeah. Exactly. A little sour. Yeah. But yeah, so I, th- I think you're totally right. So, I mean, let's, you know, that's a good point just to think with and just say that we have to be aware of what's, what emoji is doing. Maybe, you know, we'll check in with emojis, you know, in a couple months or a year or something. <laughs> exactly. So perhaps the takeaway with emojis are these are great symbols for us to get by cross-culturally. However, if you take that anthropological lens to emojis, mm. think about them actively and think about what limitations, what sort of biases might be ingrained into the systems you're using, whether you intend to use it that way or not. Yeah, well said, man. Cool, thanks so much. This has been a fun, fun conversation. And as always, this is Adam Gamwell. And this is Ryan Collins. Thanks for joining. And as always, we are brought to you in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association and our new pals at the Society for Applied Anthropology. Um, so we're super excited to bring you a ton of awesome new content in 2017. Some of it we can tell you about, it, some of it we can't tell you about yet. Exactly. There's so much great stuff on the horizon, and we are getting there because of our listeners. For uh, for all your help, guys, this you're making it happen, and we're going to keep bringing you good content. Yeah, that's the way. You know, you guys help us make the difference, and, and that's the thing. So also, again, if you love the show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. Um, we've gotten a few so far. We'd love to get more because it helps other people find the show, and that makes a huge difference. So one of the biggest compliments you can give us is to let other people know about the show um, and if you have a couple extra bucks in your pocket or want to you want to help us help us out you know we have a donate button on our page for paypal you know even a dollar goes a long way because we're just looking to cover website costs at this point uh, the rest of it you know dream dreams are dreams but right now we're trying to pay for the website so exactly <laughs> and if you have a question for us if you want to contact yeah. us please do so on our website we have a contact us uh, portion now you can write questions to us you can request different topics yeah. we're very open and we just love to you know begin conversations yeah i mean as we, as we said you know we sort of switched the format of tal to say we're doing tal conversations and that's the idea of this exactly. right so it's, it's it's a new tab on our website called what's your story if you have episode ideas you want to ask us a question about something you, you're confused about what we said about logographic writing let us know we will start uh, responding to these questions you know over email if we can we'll bring them on air um, we'd love to do that and sort of get more and more uh, listener involvement and we know you're out there uh, we hear from you every once in a while so you know, we're trying to open as many channels as possible to, to get the good word from you guys exactly so with that happy 2017 and we're looking forward to a great year yeah happy 2017 we'll see you guys